What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lane Lamp Podcast. I am here with Steve. Hello. As always. And the NHL uh, is back from its all-star break as of last night. And boy, did people take advantage of that to do some stupid stuff. Uh, I guess people were all riled up from the all-star break ready to get into the second half of the season and just completely left uh, their brains at home. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the Marshawn incident. We're going to talk about the Nick Felino, or Marcus Felino, sorry, incident, um, along with some other stuff. But let's talk about, we'll start with the Marshawn one. Uh, if the, for those of you that didn't see, for some reason, uh, you know, basically the end of the game, um, Penguins are winning. I think there was like 20. 30 seconds left or something like that. Um, Marshawn skates over after the play's over. Like, play's dead. Everyone's just kind of hanging out, doing the typical after-play stuff. And Marshawn walks over and punches Jari in the head and then takes his stick and waves it in Jari's face and slashes him. Like, not really hard, but, like, he gives him a tap in, like, the upper chest area. But he was, like, waving a stick near Jari's head. So, like... I don't understand what he was thinking, like what the hell was going on. Um, I don't think he really was. <laughs> you know, Bruce Cassidy came out with some like milk toast statement about it. Like he said, and I quote, "Honestly, that's a lack of discipline on Brad's part in that situation." I just watched the replay at the end. It looks like some words were exchanged. Brad's a leader on our team, and he needs to control his emotion better in that situation. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong, but I mean, there's really no like, there's no condone like condoning this, right? <laughs> like, you can't defend this, can you? Like, he, I mean, just like the sucker punch alone is enough to like get yourself suspended. So he has a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety. He's been suspended seven times and fined five times in the last eleven years since march 2011 um most recent discipline was a three-game suspension for slew footing oliver ekman larson on november 29th 2021 so not that long ago um so he technically qualifies as a repeat offender now <laughs> i mean <laughs> bruce cassidy this this statement's kind of funny we'll let the league address it first and i'll sit down with brad we've had our share of sit downs over the years <laughs> Yeah, because he's yeah. an idiot. But this last part is bullshit. I think Brad's been doing a pretty good job for the most part with controlling his emotions. No. No, he hasn't. <laughs> like He's already suspended this year. How could you say that? We're halfway and through the year. He got his... suspended already. And he's had a glove thrown at him by an opposing player after he said something. Like, I mean, I don't know if he's been exactly the example of keeping it in check this season. <laughs> I think it's more or less like... I understand you have to defend your player, right? Like, you're the coach. You have to go to bat for these guys, and, like, they expect you to. But, like, I, I think we have to change the expectation or put, like, a little asterisk on it. Like, go to bat and defend your players, except for when they're being fucking stupid. Like, there's no reason to defend him here. Like, even if Jari said something to him, unless it was, like, unless it was like horribly personal and, like, or really offensive, which, like, I, Tristan Jari, I, you don't hear about anything about the guy ever which leads me to believe that he wouldn't be the type of guy to just randomly go over the line like that. 
So even if Jari said something to the effect of, hey, Marshawn, you rat-nosed bitch, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it doesn't raise the level for you to skate up and, like, punch him in the face unprovoked, like... Especially at the end of a game that you're already losing. You know what I mean? Like, the game's about to be over. I mean, the real problem is that there's no hockey context to this. You know, like, we've seen sucker punches before, but generally speaking, when it ca- when it came to those kind of things, there was, like, a context around, like, two guys were in a tussle. Like, you know, both guys were trying to knock the other guy down or, you know, wrestle somebody to the ice, and then somebody gets punched, right? Like, Jason Jarry was just sitting in his crease. Like, Brad Marchand had to make the decision to skate over, punch him in the head, and then start waving a stick in his face. Like, there's no context to, to, to even defend this with. And, like, I'm assuming, you know, to your point, like, if there was anything said, I'm assuming that Brad would have come out and said that already. You know, like, that would have been the first thing we would have heard. Immediately, Brad Marchand would have been like, okay, listen, like, this is what happened and this is why. You know, like yeah, let me exactly. get my side of the story out here. But like, much exactly like your point. Like Marshawn's no stranger to airing grievances on the internet. I mean, like <laughs> especially lately. Yeah, I'm sure if like Tristan Jari had said something horribly offensive or something that like really would have risen to the level to like warrant a sucker punch or like nothing really warrants a sucker punch. But you get what I'm saying. Like you could see why he would have done it. I feel like we would have had like a nine to like tweet deep thread already by Marshawn about what he said, why he said it, why he did what he did, you know. But like, like you said, him not saying anything, it's just kind of like, all right, well, this guy clearly just blew his cool, and like, at the end of the day, like, this is kind of just who he's always been, you know. So, I don't know. I guess I expected better of him in a lot of situations lately because. Not to, you know, to Bruce Cassidy's point, Brad Marchand isn't as much of, like, a dirty player, quote-unquote, anymore as he is just, like, a fucking annoying, like, pest. I mean, does he still get away with a lot? Sure, but he's not in this, He's not exactly the same player he was, say, like, you know, six, seven years ago where he was, like, chicken-winging guys and, like, you know, sticking guys up high. So, it's just, I don't know, just stupid. Like, like Bruce Cassidy said, like, you're a leader on this team. You're arguably the best player on the Boston Bruins like you need to be better they need you to win like this isn't you know six years ago when Marshawn getting suspended didn't matter because the Boston Bruins are still like bulletproof in their lineup now it's like they have a lot of holes and the only reason they really win games is because you guys are dragging them along you know yeah and they just lost Bergeron to an injury so it's like and that happened earlier in the game you have to be it's it's also you have to be smart about the context in which you do things, right? If you want to get even with a guy, you all, you have to take into account that, oh, shit, we just lost Patrice Bergeron, who's also one of our best players. Can the team really afford to lose me in this instance? The answer is no. I mean, in most cases, the answer is, yeah, the team could replace you, but not when you're Brad Marshawn, the best player on the team, arguably. Yeah, I mean, luckily for the Bruins, as of right now, there's nobody that's super threatening in terms of getting close to them in the standings. I mean, they're the second wild card with 55 points. The next closest team is the Detroit Red Wings with 46. So, and the Bruins have three games in hand on them. So, like, the Bruins are in a very, uh, not a very comfortable position, but a somewhat relatively comfortable position in the standings. But still, even to that point, like, 
say you all of a sudden you lose your next four or five games, you know, however long Marshawn's out, and then the Red Wings win their next four or five games. Now all of a sudden they're ahead of you by one point. Granted, you have three games in hand, but you know, any team can can rip off a quick run and, and really start to threaten that position. So it's just not smart. Obviously, look, as much as the guy might be a great in terms of skilled hockey player you know this is like you said this is nothing new you know this is kind of old hat at this point but it's just at what point do you think like over the course of his career you think it would kind of click with him like oh okay i i i'm better off on the ice because my team needs me to be on the ice and i can't do stupid stuff like this like you know again plays that are in the context and the flow of the game are one thing you know you go to hit a guy, he turns at the wrong moment, you board him, it's like, oh god, okay, this looks bad, right? But like, this is like unqu- uncalled for, just like assault. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, I mean, like you're like a 33 year old man, you've been in a league, you've played almost over 800 games in the National Hockey League, you know what I'm saying? It's also, I feel like, at what point do the Boston Bruins finally like exert their like influence as, a, as like his boss, you know what I mean? Because like, like Bruce Cassidy said this isn't the first sit down he's had to have with Brad over the years like he as the most recent one I can remember like that didn't go to like league discipline was when he was licking people like and he was what like 30 31 at the time like you were still a grown man like what is wrong with you you know didn't he do that in the bubble uh I don't think because so. didn't they play the Tampa Bay Lightning Oh, no, the Lightning lost to the Blue Jackets in the bubble, right? Yeah. It so was... it had to be the year before then. Yeah, he was licking. Like, he straight up, like, almost ate Leo Komarov's face at one point. It was really kind of weird. Bro, he, like, tried to kiss Ryan Callahan. He just gave up and just, like, licked him on the face. I was like, okay, that's weird. Don't do that anymore. Like, you know, and to kind of further this conversation you know talk about the the marcus felino thing since it's kind of in a similar vein of just unnecessary um marcus felino and adam lowry got into i don't know if it was i think it was a fight i think it was like a full-blown fight because i didn't see the whole context i just saw the end of it um okay yeah he did get a five-minute major for fighting so you know adam lowry and marcus felino got into a fight the fight ends and then as the referees or the uh, the linesmen are starting to get back to their feet because you know they tackled them basically uh marcus felino decided to pile drive knee adam lowry in the head and a lot of people on twitter were like oh it looks like he just slipped while he was getting up you know no the, the, the second angle that we saw i thought it was blatant from the first angle the second angle is no denying it. You literally, unless you like put your blinders on and like just completely do some sort of mental gymnastics to get around it, he tried to pile drive Adam Lowry's head into the ice with a knee. And you can say what you want about this being in the context of a fight, sure, but the fight was over. Once the linesmen jump in, everybody in the NHL knows once the linesmen jump in, fight's over. You don't throw any more punches because you're going to hit one of them, you're going to do something stupid. So to throw a knee after the fight is over is like almost unheard of. Well, the real thing is, it's like, what the heck? Like, why are you throwing knees in ice hockey anyway? Like, that—that's a the move that's illegal in the UFC. Like, <laughs> you can't do that in organized like wh- what is essentially almost an organized death match. Like, you know what I mean? 
and you think it's okay to do to a guy who's completely defenseless, who has two linesmen piled on top of him? Like, I I don't know if his thought process was wearing a helmet. It's like, yeah, okay, you're wearing a helmet, but you just, like, fucking need him in the head, dude. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, this is, there's no... This is defending this one either i don't think right like no this is like by far one of like the dumbest things i think i've seen somebody do on the ice like like... it's kind of weird right like we've seen you know if we go back to the tom wilson thing of last year when him and panarin were in a clinch and he decided to hit him with like the wwe like pile driver onto the ice i don't i don't is there something i'm missing here where we've just stopped caring about each other's like actual physical health. Like I, I know that in, in, you know, there's a lot of rivalries that go on in the NHL. There are guys that quite frankly just don't like each other, but have we forgotten that there's a mechanic within the game that's built to sort out these differences. And instead we're just doing stuff like after we use that mechanic to sort out our differences, then needing somebody in the head. Or if you're in the case of Brad Marchand, just punching people out of context, you know, like is to me this feels like a complete lack of regard for somebody else's safety which yeah, is inexcusable yeah i mean that's really that's my biggest issue with it like had he just like fallen on him and like accidentally need him in the head or like it's like it would have been like oh okay well this is an accident but it's like dude you literally like pick your leg up and drive it forward like i don't He's almost completely on his feet by the time he decides to make this play, too. So I don't know what people are saying that like, he's falling down. Like, he's almost completely upright when he decides to throw the knee. You know what I mean? And it's completely dangerous, too, because this is how people, like, break their neck, you know? Like... I mean, dude, he could have killed him. He could have fractured his skull. He could have done, like, any number of things. Like, he... They don't let it happen in the UFC where they play where they fight in a matted ring. You know what I mean? Like that thing's padded. They're not gonna, like imagine the kind of damage you could do to somebody when you, the on, the thing underneath you where you're slamming their head off is like ice. That's like harder than concrete. You know what I mean? So it's like we're lucky that I mean Adam Lowry seemed to be okay. Like he was obviously not great, but like we're just lucky he didn't seem to suffer any like serious injuries in the result of it. But like. I don't know what it is, but I feel like this year more than any other, we've seen guys just do absolutely dumb things that like have no place in hockey. Like you have this. Brad the Brad Martian thing is a little more in context, like it's stupid, but like it's we've seen it in hockey before. But then you have fucking Brandon Lemieux biting Brady Kachuk twice. Like I just feel like this year for some reason more than any other, I don't know if it's because they're so excited to be playing in front of fans again, these dudes just like turn their brains off, but like <laughs> Like, I just feel like this year, more than any, we've seen some absolutely brain-dead and, like, dangerous plays on a regular basis. And I'll, I'll even throw P.K. Subban's, like, repeated slew-footing into that uh, that conversation. You know? It just feels like, for some reason, this year, more than any other, guys have, like, zero to no regard for the other guys on the other teams. It's just weird because, you know, the thing is, we've seen idiots before in the past... But a lot of the issues you've had in the past have been in the context of hockey, right? Like a bad hit or an elbow on accident or even intentionally, right? Something in the flow of the play, 
you know, biting incident we've had with Brendan Lemieux, this Brad Marchand incident, this Nick Foligno incident, this, you know, P.K. Subban slew-footing guys away from the play. None of these are within the context of the sport. So it almost feels like these guys are just going out of their way to do these things. You know, like if you go to throw a hit and maybe you take a couple strides that are too much, you're just like, ah, geez, right? Like I, you know, pile drove this guy into the boards. I didn't realize how fast I was going. At least you could say that like that's kind of a core mechanic of the game is the check of it all. Whereas like biting people has never been a part of hockey ever. (laughs) Kneeing people has never been a part of the sport. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems incredibly odd to me that, like, all of a sudden, we're just, all of this stuff is just going on, you know? Um, so, I don't know. Like, I think Marshawn should probably get maybe three to four, you know, somewhere in the two to four game range because, granted, he didn't hit him that hard. But the intent to injure was there, which I think is a serious issue. So I think he should still sit for at least, you know, three to four games, honestly. Um, and if I'm suspending Flynn, I'm suspending him for, like, probably 10-plus, honestly. Because, like, that's a joke. Like, if he hits him the wrong way, you know, Adam Lowry's in a hospital, essentially. So, like, yeah. I don't know what your opinion on those are. Like, what what kind of games do you think we should be looking at here? Yeah, the Marshawn thing, like you said, like on this, the on the scale of severity, it really isn't all that terrible. So like, I still think it warrants like two to four, like you said. But like, fully know, I'm looking like fifteen twenty. Like you gotta send a message with this. Like you let him off easy with this, and it's just all bets are off, dude. Like you can't let somebody get away with like kneeing somebody inside, like up, upside the head on the ice, like. You just gotta, I don't know, you have to punish somebody for something like this. Yeah, certainly. I mean, anything less than 10 is an absolute joke, honestly. Uh, We'll see, because the Department of Player Safety has routinely dropped the ball this year, so we'll see what goes on there. Um, This is kind of breaking news, I guess you could call it. You know, as we're recording this podcast, like, 5, it's right now, it's like 5.50 at night on the East Coast. Um, February 9th. Uh, you could call this breaking news, I guess. Duke Rask has just officially, officially retired now. Um, he put out a statement on the Boston Bruins uh, Twitter account, and I guess he's, you know, officially done at this point after his very short-lived comeback, which they, they claim that, like, you know, they said that... Um, he was hurt again or like he re-aggravated his injury i don't not that it matters i I think that's more of just maybe like a little bit of a saving grace thing might just like listen like you tried to come back it's not going to work out we're just gonna it also just might be the ltir thing it might just be saying that's like an ltir's contract instead of having to file retirement you know um but yeah ras played four games had a 428 and an 844 was very obvious that he was not the same um I guess just my question is now obviously in hindsight we were questioning whether or not it was worth bringing him back when he signed in hindsight was this worth it like at all (laughs) no absolutely not like how mad do you think Jeremy Swayman is right now 
I think he's probably laughing his way his ass off all the way back to the TD Garden, bro. Like, <laughs> it was like one big case of I told you so, you know? Like, they were looking at it through the nostalgia goggles. They were like, oh, Tuca wants to come back? Tuca's, we've had all our success with Tuca. It's like, yeah. He also had a better team. Tuca was younger. He hadn't been injured as many times. Like, I don't know. It just seems to me this whole thing was trite and pointless from the start, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Tuka Rask's wanting to come back and give it one more shot, right? Like, obviously, when you're a competitor who is as fiery as he is, you always want to compete, right? Nobody ever in the NHL wants to retire. If these guys had a choice in the matter, they would play until the day they died. So I don't begrudge him for wanting to come back, but I guess I begrudge like the Bruins organization for seemingly just being so on board with it the entire time that at the beginning of the season they were telling Jeremy like hey Tuka's coming back at some point so like ride it out while you can kid but like your spot's temporary you know um yeah I don't know I mean again I don't want to begrudge Tuka Rask for anything here but it just this whole thing was very silly I think um you know congrats to Tuka Rask on a great career I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the guy who's one of the best goalies in the NHL consistently year through year. Um, you know, never could get the Bruins over the hump in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, you know, made it back there, what, twice with him as a starter? Um, I think so. They played the Blackhawks and the Blues. Um, never could get them over the hump of Stanley Cup Finals as a starter, but... I also think that they also had significantly weaker teams in those years than they had in previous years, um, except maybe for the run against the Blackhawks. But the Blackhawks were just stacked in 2013, so can't really blame Tuka Rask on that at all. Um, yeah, just a great career. Um, arguably the best goalie the Bruins have ever had. Um, I probably would make that argument. A lot of people like to say Tim Thomas just because he won the Cup, but Rask had a more consistent and longer career than tim thomas did whereas tim thomas kind of he was kind of like a supernova right like he burned really brightly for a very short period of time whereas rash yeah. was like more consistently great um i don't know if you have any thoughts about tuka rask and, and his now official retirement from the national hockey league at the age of 34 no i mean i guess just congratulations right like like you said there's not really a whole lot to be said it was just a weird experiment that the Boston Bruins really didn't have to put uh, Jeremy Swayman through, but. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, he's not happy that Rask is retiring because. He's not happy about the fact that Rask is retiring because you never really, like, root against your teammates, but he's probably happy that he's done getting scroogled for this, like, weird thought experiment that the Boston Bruins are putting on. So. Yeah, um, so we'll move on here. Uh, talk about one of the Bruins' big rivals, uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, Ducharme. Uh, if I Dominic Ducharme, I think I'm saying his last name right. He got the boot. He is out. He is gone. He is fired. And our boy Martin Saint Louis is coming in to coach 
the Montreal Canadiens. What is your initial reaction to this? Because this news only dropped, you know, maybe like an hour ago. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. Marty doesn't have any previous coaching experience, so it's interesting that the Montreal Canadiens are willing to give him a shot. I mean, I know he's a hometown hero and all that great stuff, but still, it's just interesting that they decided. I just want to know what direction the signals for the team out. Like, are they going to try and continue to compete, or are they going to try to like, de- you know, rebuild here under Marty Saint Louis, and if he can have more of an influence and a say in it? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, this to me kind of symbolizes a move away from what the the plan was before, right? Because if you're trying to compete, right? If you think that this team is a competitive team and you're trying to win Stanley Cups, generally speaking, you don't hire coaches mid-season with no NHL coaching experience, right? Um, you know, according to this article, uh, Marty was a team consultant with the Jackets during the 2018-19 season. Other than that, not really a lot of executive experience being bought on here. Um, I think to me that this very much symbolizes, okay, it's not working. (laughs) Whatever the hell it is we're doing here in Montreal isn't working. And it's time for a completely new face, some completely fresh blood. Of course, you know, still had to go out and and get the the French-Canadian, right? But, um yeah i I just think that if the canadians thought that they were still going to compete um this wouldn't be the move and nothing against marty but you know again he has no coaching experience um here's an interesting question like what do you think a martin saint louis team like in his ideal image like what kind of systems do you think they would employ like what do you think he's he's looking to do here like ignoring the obviously garbage roster he's being handed like, I guess just, like, I mean, theoretically, what do you think his kind of team would want to be? I guess I'd imagine them to be a faster team than Montreal has been in the past. He's probably going to try to build. I mean, the league at the end of the day is a copycat league, and the Montreal Canadiens have seen the success the teams have had with their defense. So I don't think they're going to be one of those teams like the Edmonton Oilers who seem to continue to hire coaches who sacrifice a defense at the expense of go, go, go and have no success. I think Marty's smart enough to know that, like, so he's just going to build on probably the already solid foundation that they have in defense because like it's not the that's not their problem really like this year it is because like the whole team sucks but like in the last so many years Montreal hasn't been bad because they couldn't keep pucks out of their net it's always been the fact they couldn't score and I think that bringing in a guy like Marty who's you know probably the greatest undrafted player of all time you know a guy who's you know, scored over a thousand points in the NHL, who's, you know, been to the top of the mountain. I think it's probably just going to be a new, fresh perspective for the whole team on how they go about maybe generating their offense or how about how they play. I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? It's a new coach, but I don't know. I don't know like what kind of specifics, but I definitely imagine them to be a faster, more aggressive team than they've been in the past. It's definitely interesting uh, because 
obviously that you know look the obvious joke here is that montreal loves undersized wingers so much that they even just made one their head coach right um but they do have some guys on this roster that would probably really benefit uh also this is a really funny headline uh, from on the nhl website says tukarask status remains the same despite retirement report no it doesn't (laughs) he's very much retired but um you know he does have the interim tag on him technically but i mean i imagine that you wouldn't just throw marty in there for like 40 games and then hire a head coach after the season because what the hell would be the point in that anyway unless he's like absolutely terrible but like even then with a team like this i don't know how you could be a fair judge of that (laughs) how much worse can it get you know (laughs) like um but yeah i mean they have some (sighs) even talking about montreal is boring no i'm kidding um you know they have some players on this roster that would probably really benefit from the kind of insight that he's going to bring obviously primary among them is cole caulfield you know sitting at 57 166 marty was he's not that much bigger than marty was during his playing time i mean nick suzuki's not severely undersized you know 511 205 but i'm sure he could still get some pointers out of out of martin st louis brendan gallagher doesn't really need any pointers because like he's still a great player but you know um he just needs to stay healthy I just think like, maybe this really is like a Hail Mary long shot to just try to revive the career of Cole Caulfield, even though I think it's a little presumptuous at this point to call his career in dire need of a revival, considering he's still only 21. But I don't know. Do you think there's any element to that? Like maybe this is just a move purely for Cole Caulfield? I don't know if it's necessarily that. I mean, like you said, he's only 21. I don't think the Montreal Canadiens are hitting, you know, the alarm yet on Cole Caulfield. I think they're still very much like confident he's going to develop the way that he's projected to develop anyway. I think it's just more of a... I'm not really sure why they picked Marty specifically, but I feel like... It's like you said, I think they were just looking to turn a fresh page and start over completely, like full-on blank slate, no ties to the previous... uh, front office at all you know yeah and um we'll see i mean it it literally probably cannot get worse in montreal i mean how much worse can you get than 8 30 and 7 through 45 games dead last in the entire national hockey league uh and not by design you know we've talked at length about how the coyotes are bad on purpose and the coyotes are still winning more games than the canadians so you know you're 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 a dash 79 in the uh cold differential column just nothing's really going right for you so it can't get much worse so why not just give marty a shot i mean what what is he gonna do lose more games does it really matter like <laughs> oh no mm-hmm. like marty can't win hockey games it's the exact same as we did before i mean at this point wouldn't you're goal be to lose as many games and try to get like a number one overall pick anyway theoretically yeah i mean why even try to win games at this point you know obviously like the players on the roster are still going to try to win because that's just who they are but the front office has like really no incentive at all um 
Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. The Montreal Canadiens traded this pick away, but their 2022 first is a conditional pick sent to the Coyotes. The better of Montreal or Carolina's 2022 first pick, but if either or both are top 10, which the Carolina pick is not going to be top 10, the Montreal Canadiens pick will be top 10. Montreal transfer the worst. Okay, so Montreal is going to keep their pick because of this condition. They were smart enough to do that, at least. Um, so in all likelihood, the... Uh, Coyotes will be getting the Hurricanes first, and the Montreal Canadiens will keep their first. But still, I mean, ooh, thank God they wrote that condition in. Can you imagine losing all these games and you didn't even have your own first-round pick? You give another team the fucking... You give them two top-ten picks. It's like, yee. It's happened before, so... <laughs> yee. Um, yeah, big yikes in Montreal. I mean, literally everything in Montreal at this point is a yikes. I mean, I'm looking at their injured reserve list, and holy crap. Drew Ann, Christian Dvorak, David Savard, Joel Edmondson, Jake Allen, Matthew Perot. I mean, Jesus. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and obviously, that's not counting Carey Price, who's not back with the team yet. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Montreal fans, but, like, literally everything is going wrong. And basically, nothing is going right. Uh, so, I guess we'll... we'll end the podcast on this last topic here that i thought was was kind of noteworthy um jack eichel has started to practice with the golden knights wearing a full contact jersey uh this he's nearing his return from his disc replacement surgery which like how stupid does buffalo feel at this point you know that putting it off as long as they did yeah when like he only had the surgery like what like two months ago not yeah, even he's already getting ready to play like god what was the point but uh, anyway um yeah he's been cleared for contact he, he's taken part in uh in full contact uh practice i think we you know we've discussed this a little bit before um but what kind of change do you anticipate jack eichel bringing to this roster once he's fully healthy I mean, he's going to bring them the number one game breaker that they haven't had before. I think the real interesting thing to ask is how is the Vegas Golden Knights roster actually going to look to get Jack Eichel into it? Because they're going to be pressed like up, either up against or over the cap when he's actually off the long-term injured reserve. Yeah, so he's... If he comes back, right now they would have $300,000 in cap space. <laughs> Big butt in the room here is that alec martinez is still hurt so he's also an ltir so let me see i don't really know if there's like a prognosis for him let me pull up uh i'm gonna use our fantasy website for this because they usually have like little reports um on these guys but i mean yeah that's you know you've got 15 million dollars sitting in the ltir right now obviously you can fit either one of them or the other you can't fit both right um, yeah let's see alec martinez Martinez was on the ice for Monday's practice session, indicating, oh, he was on COVID protocols. Yeah, so how the hell are they going to get this guy under the cap? <laughs> Do they just pull a fucking Kucherov and hold him out until the playoffs start when the when there is no salary cap and they can just bring him in? <sighs> I don't know. Would it actually even be legal, considering he's just skating already? 
I mean, Cooch skated for like what a month and a half. You you just have to BS it a little bit longer and maybe make it two to three months. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you, I guess realistically, like if you really wanted to be scummy about it, you could just say he suffered like a setback and take him off the ice for a couple of weeks. But like that that'd be like again like tinfoil hat conspiracy like that'd be how you have to try to get under the cap there but yeah i've heard rumors they were definitely they're trying to trade alec martinez last i heard so they might be looking to dump some salary because i mean i think he's even beating like vegas's expectations for how fast he's coming back because i think they had they thought they had at least until the deadline to figure this out (laughs) damn it martinez you're getting healthy too fast um yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this roster on cap friendly, and I'm not really seeing where this extra, you know, because they have the ten million dollars in cap space now. So let's consider Eichel covered, right? Where the extra five million would come from? I mean, you could try to trade Riley Smith, maybe. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau is also making five. You could try to trade William Carlson. He's making 5.9. Evgeny Dadnoff is making $5 million. Um, you'd have to, like... This is kind of just the price you pay when you buy in on every high-priced free agent, you know? I mean, it's just, like... You already had a good team. Did you really need to go out and get Alex Petrangelo, you know? I mean, granted, they didn't know Jack Eichel was going to hit the market the way he did, and they didn't expect the market, the bottom of the market to fall out the way it did either. But, I mean, I just feel like this is, like, par for Vegas' like, course over the last so many years, which is just that they seem to go all in on every big name that hits the open market, and now they have to fit their, like, facing the repercussions of set actions, you know, where you have all these contracts on the on the books, and now you have to figure out how to get underneath them. And, I mean, it's going to be a definitely an interesting exercise in uh, executive uh, skill to see how they execute it and get it under the uh, the cap to get, you know, not even arguably, to get your best player on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I imagine, obviously, you know, Vegas wouldn't be trading for Jack Eichel without some kind of plan, especially considering how long Eichel was on the market, you know? Like, if Eichel was on a market and then he was traded the next day, I could see the argument, like, well, they just went it all in on a player and they're going to figure it out later. But, like, Eichel was on a market for months, right? So, like, they had to have been doing that kind of calculation and saying, can we actually get this done? before we pull the trigger on this i imagine there's some kind of plan in place but that's you know when it comes to like trades there's never a guarantee right like gm can say hey yeah like when eichel comes you know hit me up with evgeny dadnoff but then like two months later he's like well actually evgeny dadnoff isn't playing that well i'm not paying him five million dollars you know like yeah i don't know I, i'm glad i don't have to figure it out like in a, in a perfect world you know, you're probably trading one of Carlson. You're not trading March so at this point because he's still playing really well. You're probably trading one of Carlson, Smith, or Dadnoff. Probably Dadnoff most likely out of that group. But, you know, it's also like, I would say who's taking. But, like, you know, freaking Arizona's taking everybody, apparently. Like, anybody who can put on a pair of skates can go play for the Arizona Coyotes these days as long as you pay them a couple draft picks. So, 
Well, I mean, they need to stay above the cap floor, so it's smart <laughs> for them, you know? Listen, Arizona's doing it right. They, they're they doing the whole tank and rebuild thing correctly. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just excited to see Eichel again on the ice, especially, I can't speak, especially on a team where he's going to have a little bit more talent around him now. Um, you know, instead of playing with, like, essentially nobody's outside of the outside of jeff skinner you know he's gonna be playing with the guys like you know who knows what line but you know stone patcheretti carlson march so riley smith um you know on, on a competent team and uh, I'm, I'm very much excited to kind of see what's uh what he's gonna bring to the table so uh excited for his return um i'm still fingers crossed hoping that we maybe get a uh eichel mcdavid playoff series this year that'd be pretty cool um i'll be completely contingent on the edmonton oilers getting their shit together yeah i mean they went they went on a run you know they won like four in a row five in a row something like that before they lost their last game they're technically still out of a playoff spot somehow some way some shape or form they've managed to uh get knocked out of their playoff spot they're three points behind the uh calgary flames so i mean geez who knows right but um yeah, I guess before we end off, we'll just end on this note. Like, what did you think about the All Star uh, All Star Weekend? Just general thoughts, and then we'll we'll wrap it up here. Well, I mean, I didn't even watch the All Star game, so <laughs> that tells you anything. Uh, I mean, I thought the All Star Super Skill was fun. It's you know, I don't know. I thought it was a, a good event. I thought they, you know, Vegas put it on well. I, you know, I saw a lot of the same things that I always like to see. There was a lot of. Uh, Palling around between the players, a lot of family events and like involved. So, and I thought overall the NHL did a good job with it. I thought the uh, the outside events were pretty interesting. I thought the only issue I had with the fountain event was that they got no offense to the guys that they had out there. They had some of the more boring personalities in the NHL out there. You know, like when they were doing that that big uh, wall of cards event. Mm-hmm. You know, they had guys like Joe Pavelski, Austin Matthews, like they, you know, hanging around, palling around, like talking mad smack, like Brady Kachuk, obviously, you know, dudes that are just there to have a good time. They kind of got some of the more like super serious personalities out there on the Bellagio where they had like Zach Wierenski and Roman Yossi and Claude Giroux who like weren't really saying much. So they're like awkward to watch sometimes, but, um, you know, that was, like, my, really my only issue with that event. Because I know a lot of people were like, oh, this is so stupid. I thought it was pretty dope, honestly. Like, a precision passing kind of event. You know, that isn't as hard as the little pop-up nets, which were, like, ridiculously hard for even NHL players to hit. Um, and obviously, the presentation just being out on the fountains was cool. Just maybe kind of scout out, like, some better personalities for that one. Because they were all just kind of hanging around, not saying much. Um Again, no offense to any of those guys. That's just the way they are, right? Like, you're not going to get, like, wisecracking jokes out of a guy like Zach Wierenski most of the time. Um, true. It's true. The card event I thought was great. You know, I thought they picked really good personalities for that. You know, Stamkos, Kadri, Matthews, uh, Joe Pavelski, and Brady Kachuk, I think, were the five that were out there. Um, pick great personalities for that because Pavelski was just yucking it up, ball of laughs, that guy. You know, Brady Kachuk, obviously. <laughs> Austin Matthews is kind of used to being in more of a content creation kind of situation, you know, with his collaborations on YouTube and stuff. So I thought they picked good personalities for that event. 
Um, the breakaway competition, I mean, was worth watching just for Trevor Zegers alone. I mean, that was like one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my entire life. The, the blindfolded scoop backhand 360, whatever the hell he was doing was just insane. Um, I just, there was this one post, I don't know if it was a hoax or not, but apparently like some dude placed a prop bet on that event where he bet like 500 Canadian dollars that Trevor Zegers is going to win the event. <laughs> and then he got screwed because John Hamm gave Alex Petrangelo a 19. <laughs> <laughs> and they won. And like they just accepted it. It's like imagine getting screwed over by John Hamm breaking the rules and giving somebody a 19 on their scorecard. But literally just being a hometowner. Yeah. Um, I thought the event was great. I thought the games were, were okay, as they always are, kind of just mediocre. Um, what were you going to say? I thought the celebrities that they had on that panel were interesting. I mean, I know a lot of them are like. It seems to be a lot of the same celebrities the NHL like parades out for these events, you know, like the notable hockey fans that are involved. But like, I don't know, you were in Vegas, dude. You're gonna tell me Snoop Dogg wouldn't have come out, like, you know, <laughs> Snoop Dogg would have been out there like hanging out and uh, freaking uh, judging the breakaway competition. I mean, again, not to take away anything away from the guys, but I don't know. I would have put Snoop on the mic. Snoop on the mic is hilarious. Bro, Snoop, oh god, the NHL needs to like have Snoop Dogg color commentate like the All Star game the way he did the Olympics. <laughs> I mean, like he literally had a whole he he had a video where I talked about a horse crip walking. I mean, like awesome, great stuff. Yeah, I, I think that I don't like, I don't know who the the play by play guy who was doing the Bellagio and the uh, the card event were. But he wasn't great. I didn't like him. <laughs> Just to put it flatly, I definitely think a guy like Snoop Dogg. Can you imagine like Snoop Dogg like commentating as Trevor Zegers is like spinning around with a blindfold on, or like Jack Hughes is like getting mini Jack Hughes out of the bra- out of the like the magic box or whatever. Bro, Snoop would have been amazing at it. <laughs> like, why not? You know, it's the All Star event. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Like, if I had to give it a rating, I would say maybe like. The, the skills comp, I think, was like a solid 8 to 9 this year. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, the games, you know, kind of just usual, like, like 6. They were better than last year's games, but not by much. So, eh. Um, is there anything you want to talk about kind of last second before we wrap up here? Uh, I don't think so. All right, so next week we'll be back at you with who the hell knows. I don't know. Maybe Marcus Foligno is going to announced to the world that he's actually secretly Bane and that's why he was uh, practicing his knees on the ice and he's gonna go break the Batman's back or, or something along those lines <laughs> he's um, gonna go break the Batman yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know maybe like Marcus, Marcus why, Lino, why like, did you do it to break the Batman it's like oh, okay well, he has like the stupid mask on and everything it's like well you're still under contract to the Minnesota Wild so next time you see him on the ice he's got the Bane mask underneath the helmet sitting on the ice honestly in this league who the hell knows anything can happen right it would not it would it would kind of be like a huh moment but it wouldn't like shock me you know i'd be like all right fair enough whatever (laughs) you know what all right but uh yeah so we'll see what happens in the league in this next week and we will talk at you then so i want to thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys again next time